Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. You like the Just Baseball show and want to make your own? Let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's a creation tool that allows you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never seen before. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and much more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Tuesday, we got another top 10 Tuesday. Jack McMullen, Peter Apple, Just Baseball Show, at Just Baseball Fans on TikTok and Instagram, at Just BB Media on Twitter. And it feels like we haven't talked in a while. I know. Why does it feel like that, even though we've been talking all weekend about this White Sox Yankee series that was basically our Super Bowl? It was awesome. It kind of felt like the ALCS. It did feel like the ALCS, and you guys, and when I say you guys, I mean the White Sox might make it. The Yankees, we're not totally sure yet, but the Yankees did end up winning that series two out of three, and they looked really good during it. I was I was very impressed. It feels like a long time. It feels like everything has happened, I guess because the last time we recorded was pre-Field of Dreams game. Yeah. And everything has happened since the Field of Dreams game. We had a no-hitter from a guy who... I, Tyler Gilbert, <laughs> right? He's not even the best Gilbert starting pitcher on the West Coast. Like, what's going on here? We had so much happen this weekend, and we didn't talk about it. So now we're going to talk about it, and we got a good episode coming up. We got top 10 surprises, but first, let's get into our Super Bowl, man. Yankees took two of three. All three were so good. Yeah, all three were so good. I mean, the first game, Tim Anderson walks it off. And then in the second game, it's down to the wire again. And Tim Anderson comes up and has another opportunity to walk it off. Thankfully, the Yankees were able to get out of it. And then they won the third game as well. But like we both said, each game was so close. It was so competitive. It came down to the bullpens at the end of the day. And you know what I love? about the Yankees moving forward, maybe if we're looking at a Yankees versus White Sox series in the playoffs, is that the Yankees are Liam Hendricks' daddy. Joey yeah. Gallo hit an absolute tank. First game they blew him up to. This is our – he's – where's daddy? Okay, so here's my rebuttal. It okay. feels like power hitters are Liam Hendricks' daddy right now. Of guys with 10 or more saves, Liam Hendricks leads all those relievers in home runs allowed. The Yankees hit a lot of home runs. That's their identity. Liam Hendricks gives up a lot of home runs. My takeaway from this weekend in terms of the White Sox bullpen is that Craig Kimbrell should have the ninth. 
You think so? I think so. I almost think that you could give it. I mean, I'm watching Garrett Crochet throw 93 mile an hour changeups. I think what, you what could the give hell it to Kopech. You could give it to Kopech. You could give it to Para. You could give it to a lot of these guys. They're all good. I mean, to a lot of these guys. You give it to Liam Hendricks, though. You you seriously would be. You know what? It's Craig Kimbrell's ninth. Liam Hendricks. It's over. Yeah, kind of. Kind I of think dramatic. Liam Hendricks is. I I view this in the way that Cleveland viewed 2016. Andrew Miller, although he was the best reliever on the team, was not the closer because he was the high leverage sixth guy. And then that bleeds into getting two outs in the seventh inning, and then they bring somebody else in. With Hendricks, he can go long. He can go an inning in two-thirds. He can go two innings in a playoff situation. I think that Craig Kimbrell, A, is a Hall of Famer. B, is having a better year. And C, is a little bit stronger. It has a little bit more mental I know what you mean right now. I know what you mean because it's also Craig Kimbrell's ninth, right? Mm-hmm. Craig Kimbrell is a closer. Liam Hendricks has been a closer, but can be a reliever. And that's okay. the big thing. Yes, yes. To to build on that, to go yes and like we're an improv <laughs> class. Liam Hendricks during his time in Oakland was the best reliever in the game. Yes. And on Craig Kimbrell is the best closer in the game. Yes. You hear what I'm saying? I've been watching a lot of these Indians games lately. And Emmanuel Class A might be the best closer in baseball. I'm taking Kimbrell over Class A right now. Next year, that might change. I just just wanted to point it out because, like, oh, my God, he's incredible. Like, oh, my God, he's incredible. 101-mile-an-hour cutter. I, I cannot enunciate. I cannot exaggerate how amazing of a pitch that is like we've never seen this we have never seen what emmanuel class a can do but that doesn't you know it's we're getting in the middle we're getting into the you know the nitty-gritty of who is really the best closer i just wanted to point him out because let, we just watched Tristan mckenzie throw seven and third of perfect innings and we're watching emmanuel class a and just every single time i'm floored by what i see by the young reliever yeah it's crazy it, Real quick, let's talk about the fall from grace from his teammate. James Karinchak is the guy that – that was my guy. Yeah. And that was the one that got hit hardest by the substance crackdown. Yeah. His spin rates are down like crazy. His strikeouts per nine are down like crazy. <laughs> Plummeted. Plummeted. And it's it, – well, we know why, right? I mean, we don't really know why, but we, we know, why. know why. We know why. Karinchak is a fastball curveball guy. You know, he tunnels with the fastball. He goes up with the fastball and he spins that breaking ball, relies on that, right? Okay. Relies on the spin rate, probably more than a lot of pitchers. Right. You go upstairs, fastball, you get yep. spin. The upstairs fastball the is rise better spin. With more spin, right? Yep. You have a sharp biting curveball. A sharp biting curveball is better with more spin. Absolutely. So he relies on two high spin pitches. It's very obvious that doctoring the baseball somehow, some way helps that. And when you can't do it, your arsenal is going to go to shit. And unfortunately, that's what happened with James Karinchak. That's what happened with James Karinchak. And that that's almost what makes Class A so amazing. Is, is he that defies physics? Despite the lockdown, right. he's still spinning 101 mile an hour cutter. And I'd also love to talk about that Tyler Gilbert's no hitter was the first since that substance crackdown. We saw seven almost in the first week, 
and then none since they started cracking down. And then we saw the eighth. And it's also the first time since 1884 that we've had eight no hitters in a season. And it's August. Yeah. That's interesting that it's the first since the substance. Since old Haas. Since old Haas was throwing 678 (laughs) innings and 73 complete games. It's the first time since, you know, and they allowed overhand pitching for the first time in 1884. Since then, there have never been eight no-hitters until 2021. Kind of crazy. How about that learning curve in 1884? Yeah. Oh, shit. They're throwing from up here now? That <laughs> sucks. Old oh. Hoss. Just deal. God, I want to shout out a couple of numbers from Tyler Gilbert's no-hitter. I would love to. Tyler Gilbert had a three-pitch eighth inning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to spit out my lemon and celery juice. That's literally the only thing in there today. Tastes like urine. (laughs) I'm sorry to hear that. It tastes tastes fine, though. You got got a jar of something. I've got grape mayo in a mason jar, and this kind of tastes like urine. First of all, before we get into Tyler Gilbert's numbers, grape mayo, what? What are you doing? Yeah, I like mayo. Grape? not really i tried it i wanted to just i think it's hilarious i'm imagining you like pre-podcast getting a glass of water and thinking you know what this needs great mayo (laughs) yeah i'm pissed that i did it and the next glass of water that i make myself is going to just be pure water good stay healthy all right continue on tyler gilbert Uh, tyler gilbert aside from the three pitch eighth inning had 10 balls hit 95 miles an hour or harder against him. He yeah. had five hit over 100 miles yeah. an hour, and he and, threw a no-hitter. And Trent Grisham hit one 99.8 miles an hour, so that was <laughs> almost six at 100 miles an hour. But fuck it, he did it. <laughs> yeah, he did, he it. did it. Who cares? And it was against the Padres, who are loaded. Yeah, they didn't have Fernando Tatis Jr., but still, it's the freaking Padres. Okay, good teaser for later. Our top 10 surprises will have something to do with the Padres in not the way you're thinking. But like yeah, Tyler Gilbert, I mean, he did something for the first time since a guy named Bobo did it. And then Bumpus did it before that. Bumpus, <laughs> Bumpus. Jones, Bobo Holloman in like 1953. Bumpus was pre-1900. That's pre-live ball era, I think. But Tyler Gilbert, a no-hitter in your first MLB start. Golf clap for you, man. Pleasure. And the best the best story from that was his dad just cheering in the stands. I mean, that's, that's why we love baseball. Like how can you say um, baseball isn't the best when you just see his dad, like just crying and cheering for his son in his first career start, he threw a no hitter with his dad in attendance. How can you say baseball isn't romantic? I don't know. And I'm actually taking you on a walk down memory lane right now. I want to throw you back to a game. I've been at a lot of cool sports moments, a lot of cool baseball moments. By the way, before we get into this, I'm sure you see my Trader Joe's bag in the back. I I do. No biggie. So do you have a new thing? Anything I should go? Because I think I might go after this pod. Um, So the Carolina barbecue flavored potato chips are actually legit. So I've had, there's a Carolina barbecue pulled pork sandwich. From Trader Joe's, not good. Not wouldn't good. buy. Wouldn't recommend. So like Soggy. this, this Carolina barbecue flavor actually tastes like legitimate Carolina barbecue, as opposed to like the fake barbecue flavor that a lot of potato chips have. Understandable. So highly recommend those. But I've been at a lot of cool Chicago sports moments. I've been at a lot of cool <laughs> sports moments in general. 
the game that I remember most fondly came in early July of 2015. Throwing it back July 6, <laughs> 2015. Monday night at what was then known as U.S. Cellular Field with 25,000 people there. Granted, they're sitting around <laughs> thirty-five to 40,000 right now. Monday night, 7-10 first pitch, 25K, packed into the current guaranteed rate field to see Chris Sale at the peak of his powers and a 36-year-old Mark Burley. Last year of his career, White Sox legend, my favorite player of all time, coming back to U.S. Cellular Field to throw for one final hurrah. <laughs> the White Sox beat the Toronto Blue Jays 4-2 in an hour and 54 minutes. <laughs> Dueling complete games from Chris Sale and Mark Burley, who was sitting at 84 miles an hour with his fastball. Melky Cabrera. <laughs> Melky Cabrera drove in two for the White Sox. He's hitting third. Loesch was the DH. And solo shots from Josh Donaldson and former indie ball icon Chris Calabello <laughs> were the only two runs for the Blue Jays. Complete games from both of them in sub two hours. It was electric. And you sent me that this morning, and I just died laughing because I know how much you must have loved that game because you got Mark Burley throwing it back every seven seconds. You got Chris Sale angry on the mound, be like, give me the ball. I need the next pitch. And those guys just after each other. And what? how many strikeouts did Mark Burley have? Two? Two. He threw a complete game with two anymore. strikeouts. You don't see our 54 games that end with like a couple of strikeouts anymore. And that you're not bringing up some sort of box score from 30 years ago. That was 2015. <laughs> That was yeah. like that was like two hours ago, and now <laughs> look awesome. at the game. How the game has changed. It's insane that that box score is just hilarious to look at when you look at the box scores, where you'll see, um, I don't know, a Phillies Brave Braves game that goes three hours and thirty four minutes that ends mm-hmm. up three to one, and there's twenty two strikeouts, eight walks, two home runs, and four total hits. It's unbelievable. And 10 total relievers. <laughs> 10 total relievers instead of just two dogs battling it out. And that was in 2015. I cannot, I cannot stress that enough. It was in 2015. It was not that freaking long ago. Mark Burley, of the four runs that he allowed, zero were earned. <laughs> yeah, that was Larry's two, two errors. Just like, whatever, I don't care. Defense don't need it. Just give me the ball. Let's go. Let's play baseball. It was so funny. <laughs> I mean, that's that's the best sporting memory i've ever accrued in my lifetime so that's that's my walk down memory lane you give us old hosses baseball reference page i give you that i like it i like it oh all right you want to talk surprises this year i would love to talk about surprises before we talk about surprises you want to hear one more personal surprise on my end yes we lost in the beer league championship game no way upset no way were you on the bump yeah, I was on the bump and I what, freaking blew it. What happened? <laughs> I'm so sad. So listen to this. There's six, six, you know, I could be wrong. Let's go with six. There's six teams in our division. There's about three free agent teams, which is a bunch of guys that got together and they were like, screw it, let's just play beer league softball together. And they don't actually know each other. And then there was two other teams that do. And our run differential, I'd say we won every single game leading up to the championship game by about nine or 10. We were absolutely demolishing these teams. I tow the rubber in the championship game, seven earned, just get crushed. Oh, Wind no. wasn't blowing even a centimeter. Yeah, so your cutter was off. 
cutter was off, slider was off, had no curveball, only yeah. relying on a changeup, which they were just crushing. God. Give up seven earned, went one for three in beer league softball. And remind you, it is slow pitch softball. Going one for three is literally terrible. I popped out. What? You're a I got one base hit and I flew out. I'm not saying like I'm the reason that we lost, but I'm willing to take full ownership of that loss. Like that was on me. I mean, that outing in the circle sounds like newest Padre Jake Arrieta on a nightly basis. Isn't that crazy? Why is he on the Padres? What did they do? Why? Why does he still have a job? Why does he still have a job? Like he has a seven ERA and he throws like 90 miles an hour. And we've been talking about this, some of the worst pitchers in baseball. And we're going to talk about one of these surprises later. And this is kind of a good segue because I think that Patrick Corbin it's surprising, at least to me, that he has the worst ERA in all of baseball. Let me let me let me say that again. Patrick Corbin of the Washington Nationals has the worst ERA in all of baseball at over six. And I think he's making nineteen million dollars this year. He was supposed to be like a really good pitcher. I think that's a surprise that he is the worst. And Jake Arrieta is right there with him, along with Matt Harvey. Just six ERA guys. Yeah, but we could we could predict that Jake Arrieta and Matt Harvey were going to suck this year. But could we predict the same about Patrick Corbin? I don't think we could. And I definitely, if I told you, hey, Patrick Corbin's going to have a six ERA this season at the beginning of the year, what would you have said? Um, that's hard to believe. Like you're crazy. I wouldn't have said you're crazy. I would. Have I said would say no. you're crazy. Six. That's so bad. Like that is so so bad. He's pitched the whole season. It's a six ERA. <laughs> That sucks. That sucks. When you pitch the whole year, that's got to go down. <laughs> when you're dealing with injuries, I get it. You know, like you throw your back out and you try and get through that for three, four starts and you get blown up like, okay, that's fine. But if you're totally healthy and you have a six ERA, you shouldn't be in the bigs. That's what I'm saying. And Jake Arrieta is even worse. And he's still up there. And now he's on the Padres. The Padres are probably going to make the playoffs. Ah, Cincinnati's ah. hot on their heels, man. They're lucky they got Fernando back. Let's talk surprises. Let's talk surprises. Obviously, we start with honorable mentions. And these surprises kind of differ between individuals, teams, philosophies, much like what RM and I just talked about yesterday with disappointments, right? So Steve Cohen was a disappointment. Eugenio Suarez was a disappointment. He sucks. He sucks. Yeah, he sucks. sucks. That's so weird. But we kind of go, we kind of broaden the scope for the surprises. So we start with the honorable mentions. And our first honorable mention, the Tigers are actually in a really good spot right now. The pitching looks good. Spencer Turnbull threw a no-hitter this year. Tarek Skubal doesn't suck. Casey Mize looks like a future frontline starter. Matt Manning is showing shades of a future frontline starter. And then they've got more guys coming through the system. Spencer Torkelson, Riley Green, Ryan Kreidler all just got the call up to AAA. These guys are actually in a pretty solid spot. You got to give credit to AJ Hinch, manager for the Tigers. I mean, who would have thought that the Tigers would be four or five games under 500 on August 16th? The Detroit Tigers, the same team that was one of the worst in baseball last year and has been one of the worst teams in baseball. For now, it seems like the past five years, we thought this might be just Miguel Cabrera season where he might hit 500 home runs and, You know, you'll see how that young pitching does. But now look at them. Detroit's telling everyone to suck it. They're third in the division. Yeah, the division's not great. But Detroit is better than a lot of teams in baseball. And I don't think anyone would have said that at the beginning of the year. 
I don't think anybody would have taken the Tigers position over where Cleveland was at the beginning of the year. But now I'm totally taking the Tigers position. Me too. If I am Cleveland, if I am the Twins, I am looking at the Tigers and I'm envious of the spot that they're in, which I is agree. crazy. And I can't wait for Miggy to hit 500. Just like, can it happen already? I, I'm watching, I swear to God, Jack, I've been watching so many Tigers games recently because I'm just like, when is Miguel Carrera going? To, I have to see it live. And he just never freaking does it. It's going to take him like three weeks. It's going to take him three weeks. That's how I was with Pujols too. And it took Pujols a minute. Yeah, it's taking so goddamn long. Man, staying in the division with our next honorable mention, the Kansas City Royals are still bad. That's surprising to me. That's surprising to you. I know that we were buying their stock at the beginning of the year, and the pitching's just not good. The pitching isn't good. They don't really hit. I mean, the Royals are both 27th in runs scored and 27th in ERA. Jesus. That's really bad. And we did factor fluke at the beginning of the year. We were like, the Royals are a fact. I bet Arm at the beginning of the season that the Royals would have more wins than the Marlins. And I was like, oh, I'm locking these up. The Royals are not nearly as bad as everyone's saying. Now we're sitting here with the Royals, one of the worst teams in the American League. They're, the group of pitching is terrible. I mean, like all of their young guns that they've been calling up. They, I mean, Chris Bubich last night just gave up seven earned in an inning and a third. Like, yeah. It's just like a lot of guys that are thrown out there who look like they have decent stuff, but just walk everyone. And then the offense doesn't come to play. It's Whit Merrifield and not a ton else. Andrew Benatendi has been fine, not amazing. It's, it's just. I'm flabbergasted. I'm actually yeah. genuinely surprised that the Royals aren't at least somewhat of a contender. Yeah, I'm not I'm not crazy surprised, which is why they're not in the top 10, but I am surprised, which is why they're an honorable mention because you can I think it's the best, some the biggest of surprise up. of the honorable mentions, honestly. Yeah, I think so. But I think you can chalk a little bit of this up to us banking on the young pitchers being good. I think you're right. And the young pitchers just aren't good. I, Brady Singer has kind of hit a blip. And Bubich, Lynch, Coar in the short time that he was up, I mean, they just didn't really look too hot. And Arm and I were just talking about it on the pod yesterday. Like, it, I feel the best about Jackson Coar as opposed to anybody else. I feel better about Coar than I do Daniel Lynch. Asa Lacey, for sure. He can't throw a strike in the minor league. You know league why you probably have the most um, confidence in Coar? Because he hasn't been up with the big league club. Well, yeah, that's, that's well, yes. And he, he commands the ball the best out of all of them. Yeah. So it's like, it's like, God, just throw a goddamn strike. The Royals always go after the guys with stuff. And I hate to just take a line from your guys' podcast, but we've been talking about this all year. The Royals just go after stuff instead of pitchability while the Indians go after pitchability and then develop your stuff. And the Indians continue to continue to throw out a bunch of arms. I mean, Cal Quantrill, Tristan McKenzie, even, even Aaron Savali before he got hurt. Like all yep. of the Indians pitchers are all good. All the Royals pitchers aren't good. So like follow, follow, follow the gold here. That was a perfect recap to yesterday's episode if you listened to both. And if you hadn't listened to yesterday's episode, then 
you don't have to go back. I mean, you just heard the uh, the genesis of the conversation there. But you guys got to go listen to Jack and Aram every Monday. They go over issues in baseball while also diving into a bunch of different stuff. It's a fantastic episode. It starts your week, week outright. So go listen. And then when we're not podcasting on Wednesdays, I'm Twitch streaming. Yep. Twitch.tv slash just baseball fans. I'm trying to defeat Diamond Dynasty. I'm going to become the greatest MLB the show player ever. And then on Friday, listen to the pod and come watch me Twitch stream. Twitch.tv slash just baseball fans. Shit. All right. Good plug there. Good, good mid honorable mention plug. Our next honorable mention is the Tampa Bay Rays. And Tampa continues to pump out a quality product. I, I don't know why we're still surprised by this, but... I'm still surprised by it. They spend less than $30 million on their team and they're really good. And they're going to win the AL East probably. It's almost like I'm not surprised, but like I am surprised in the sense that, like you said, we just shouldn't be surprised anymore because the Rays do this every single year and they only get better. Even though they still lost Tyler Glass. Now they're still in first place in the AL East in a division where you have four legit playoff contenders and the Rays are the best out of all of them. And they're only just getting started, it seems like, right? Like they have yeah. Wander, they have Vidal Brujan, they have Shane Baz coming up. Like this team is just getting started and yet could win the World Series this year. And McKay's hurt. And Brendan McKay is hurt. This I pisses know, me off. I know you were out on McClanahan at the beginning of the year. Not out, be, just not as high as everyone else was. I couldn't be more in on Shane McClanahan. Luis Patino or Shane McClanahan? Ooh. Patino. Patino. But McClanahan's not far behind. He's, a, he's good. There's something about him. They've got six years of control of Patino, McClanahan, and Shane Bass. Stupid. Like, screw that. That's crazy. They have different lawyers. What are they doing? I have no idea. Fourth honorable mention, the Dodgers still felt the need to buy. Yeah, I'm surprised awesome. by that. I thought I am surprised by that. Right? Like the natural inclination of anybody, if you're in the Dodgers position and you're $100 million over the luxury tax, over the threshold, like, shouldn't you just stop buying? <laughs> Did you really need to add Max Scherzer and Trey Turner at the trade deadline? Dodgers. When you already have like a full all-star team and you have, I like, yeah, what? Like, all I got to say is I think that it made the honorable mention because I think we both remember how far our jaws dropped when we got the alert saying Max Scherzer and Trey Turner are headed to Los Angeles in a blockbuster. The word and. Yes. Killed me. That and got them into the honorable mentions. It killed me. Killed me. We got to shout out one thing from each of those acquisitions. That slide from Trey Turner this past week was the hottest thing I've ever seen. So hot. Hot. <laughs> and then <laughs> Max Scherzer, the, the pitching ninja clip of Max Scherzer telling Dave Roberts not to bleeping touch him. That was hilarious. Did I didn't you not see that. See I didn't see that. Damn oh, it. man. After Scherzer's first start, Dave Roberts apparently like slapped him on the ass and Scherzer mumbled something. And Dave <laughs> Roberts turned to one of his players and said, did he just say, don't effing touch me? And he asked Max about it afterwards. He was like, hey, like, 
did you say that? And he was like, yeah, don't, don't touch me. Like I did my job. I did what I was supposed to do. I don't need congratulations for that. Okay. Hearing that for the first time, not just reaction, sort of badass. Also doing too much, doing too much. Like what? Right. I did my job. Okay. Okay. Like we get, okay. I don't know. I, he's just saying congrats. Like it's not that deep Max Scherzer. I love the I love the psychopath mentality in pitchers. Like Max Scherzer being an absolute psychopath is awesome. That's true. Chris That's Sale true. wearing a daddy long neck tank top on days that he throws because he's the only guy in the world that makes him feel jacked is psychopathic and it's awesome. It's so funny. That's why I always I I, I give Max Scherzer a little bit of the badass kind of you know pull because it is sort of badass. Like when you're thinking about the mindset of the pitcher. When Max Scherzer, even when he has a good inning, still internally thinks, I'm just doing my job. Like, I'm not, you know, I shouldn't get more praise for just doing it. But then you think about it on the outside, and it's like, hey, dude, Max, it's not that deep. Like, stop. It's not that deep. I don't know, dude. He does something that's so hard. Like, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball for the last 10 years. That's so hard to do. First ballot? Oh. Nah. Uh, if he wins uh, a chip this year and is like the dude ring, in that rotation. Here's the thing. I will never view him in the same light as I view Kershaw. Kershaw is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I view Scherzer and Justin Verlander in a very similar light. The Both follow-up is, is Justin Verlander a first ballot Hall of Famer? And I say probably not. Mm, that's so tough. It's Damn. hard. It's hard. There are only a few first ballot Hall of Famers active right now. Kershaw, Pujols, Miggy, Trout. And I think the list stops there. Yachty or Molina? Oh, Yachty Molina, for sure. I was also thinking today, is Adam Wainwright a Hall of Famer? Oh, he's going to be on the ballot for six or seven years. He could get in. He could be like that Jack Morris that gets in late. I agree. So let's break into the 10th biggest surprise of the MLB season so far is that Cedric Mullins is the truth. The five foot eight 13th round draft pick is so good at everything and shows zero signs of slowing down. He's already hit 20 home runs. He stole 22 bags. So next up is 30, 30 for a guy that's also hitting for a 318 batting average. This is the same guy that hit 094 when he debuted in 2019, then followed that up by hitting 271 in a shortened COVID season. We saw the potential, but I don't think we fully grasp what Mullins was capable of, that he's having a better offensive season than Juan freaking Soto. You better not sleep on his defense either. He's currently sitting in the 97th percentile in outs above average. I mean, in summary, not only is he having a top 10 offensive season this year, but he is an elite defender with room to grow. Cedric Mullins is absolutely for real. And he's so here to stay. He's one of my favorite players in baseball right now. Me too. And I'm a Yankee fan. I freaking love this dude. Because what he's doing is so improbable. Right? I love him for that. And not only not only do I love him for, for the improbability of being like a 13th rounder and being shorter of stature, five foot eight. There, why I love him so much is because there's no holes. I've said this before, I'll say it again, and I'll say it in the future. He's good at everything. Defense, yeah. speed, 
The arm is good. He hits for power. He hits for average. He's walking. He does everything. Literally everything. There's not a lot of players in baseball who do literally everything at an at least above average level. I'm trying, a- to, I'm trying to think of the other outfielders that do everything at a high level. I'm thinking Mookie Betts jumps yes. out immediately. Trout, obviously. Yes. Acuna. Yeah. Yeah. No, he did everything. Well. The eyes good enough for Acuna. Not as good as Mullins. Not as good as Cedric Mullins. Juan Soto kind of does everything, but Juan Soto doesn't. You know, he's he's pretty fast, but he's not Cedric Mullins fast. No, he's not Cedric Mullins fast, but Juan Soto does do everything well. I mean, it's hard to leave. Aaron Juan Judge kind of does everything well. Judge strikes out a lot. Yeah. So does Trout. Okay, so here's the thing. Like, Cedric Mullins is a better back-to-ball guy than Aaron Judge. Like, Okay, I don't want to go too far. But Cedric Mullins reminds me of a lefty Mookie. Like, I know it's almost blasphemous. Yeah. He doesn't have, because Mookie is so cerebral. Right. So like maybe that's where it's separated, but Mullins is only 26. So he still has time to become that cerebral type player. Because Mookie hasn't always, uh, Mookie kind of has been always Mookie one has of the smartest players. Yeah. If I was going to pick a guy to play pickup basketball with, Mookie. I would pick Mookie Betts. Doesn't he feel Even like five nine? coordinated? But he feels like the most coordinated guy in baseball. Right. Yeah, I agree with you. 100%. He, he could, he could rail you in bago. He could rail you in like anything. He would be the best at absolutely anything he does. That's kind of how I feel about Cedric Mullins. Didn't Mookie bowl like three? Mookie bowl to three hundred. He's bowled several three hundreds. That's such a like sick flex. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I'm a professional athlete, but you know this other sport, I could just walk in and be a pro. That's crazy. Like not train, just walk in and pull a perfect game. <laughs> are we going to number nine? Let's go to number nine. The ninth biggest surprise is that the Minnesota Twins are just full-blown bad. <laughs> Minnesota was projected at 89 and a half wins by William Hill Sportsbook before the season started. That would be 16 games over 500. They're 14 under right now. And they're paying nearly $120 million to do so. And they've got nearly $50 million committed to Donaldson, Sano, Polanco, Kepler, and Alex Colome next year. That's brutal. They're in a bad spot. Who do you think is the MVP of the Twins right now? God. I have my answer. I'd love to hear yours. Jose Barrios because he brought back two prospects. Jorge Polanco is the MVP of the Twins. Nelson Cruz is gone. Josh Donaldson is here or there. Buxton's been hurt all year. Ken Tamayeda is the shell of himself. Michael Pineda is the best pitcher on the Twins. <laughs> <laughs> That's so hard to say. Alex Kirloff has not had the rookie year that we expected. Trevor Larnick is fine. For the next four years, it looks like Bailey Ober is going to be a part of the rotation. <laughs> Who shoves? He shoves out of nowhere. And he's 6'8. <laughs> Bailey Ober does shove out of literally nowhere. They're pitching Griffin Jacks today. J A X. Yeah. Do you know who that is? No. Yeah. We are baseball guys. Sorry, Griffin. Yep. Never, probably a nice guy. Never seen you throw, Griffin. I'm sorry. 
thrown 38 innings this year. Not ideal. Um, yeah, twins aren't not good. And but it is a surprise because the twins have been a perennial AL central winning team now for a while. They had the highest floor in the AL Central. And now look at them. The max they were going to finish was second this year, it felt like, and they're in fourth. And they might finish fifth. Maybe if the Royals get their ass in gear. (laughs) They better. God, that'd be awesome if the Royals finish in front of the Twins this year, just like for our sake. Yep. All right, let's freaking move on to the eighth biggest surprise in baseball this year. It's the Cubs fall from grace came so fast. I think we all expected the Cubs would blow it up with a chunk of their stars facing impending free agency. But did we really think they would trade everyone they have and then go on to lose 11 straight? I know I didn't. Since July 30th, the Cubs are 2-13 and and now sit 20 and a half games out of the division lead. We are recording on August 16th. So just a month ago, on, on July 16th, the Cubs were a game under 500 and just three back of the second place Reds. And now look at them. The Cubs upgraded their farm system and the future looks bright. But for now, the Cubs are due to continue their free fall. So I wouldn't be shocked if they fall short of 70 wins with just 42 games left in their schedule. Listen, I think Chicago is going through deja vu right now. Because in 2012 and 2013, this is what people did. They turned on the minor league games because that was more exciting than the big league product. They were in Davis would hit third in that lineup right now. Brennan Davis would hit third in that lineup. Canario would hit fifth. And I mean, shit, dude, like it's hard. And what I love to see is earlier this morning, Marquee, which is the RSN that broadcast the Cubs. They announced that they're picking up telecasts of the Iowa Cubs, the Tennessee Smokies, the South Bend Cubs, and the Myrtle Beach Pelicans. I think a lot of other RSNs should be doing that, especially bad teams. I think you should be picking up minor league telecasts so you can see the future. You pirates. Can that Right. Like, <laughs> why do the Pirates not want to see Altoona Curve games in Pittsburgh? Because no the idea. Altoona Curve is going to be their team in two years. Right? Don't you want to watch Henry Davis with Bradenton or wherever he is now? I would rather watch Jason Dominguez than like most of the Yankees players right now. I would turn that game on in a second, but God damn it, MLB with the blackouts. I want to punch a hole through my television. Yep. So I, I think it. that RSNs should be doing that. Um, having said that, this is not a spot that I think Chicago was expecting to be in in 2021. A lot of people were saying last dance. A lot of people were making the comparison to last dance at the beginning of this year oh, they're all going to disperse after this year. They're all going to go separate ways in free agency and it'll be a true rebuild. And, you know, there are going to be some some draft picks and it's not going to be good. The good news for Jed Hoyer is he had a chance to retool. But it happened way too soon for the Cubs faithful. The Cubs were, the Cubs had 45 wins on July 16th. They have 52 now. That's seven. In a month. That's horrible. Bad. It's no surprise that Fernando Tatis Jr. is what he is. It's absolutely no surprise. We saw it last year. We knew that it was going to happen again. 
But the seventh biggest surprise so far this year is that Fernando Tatis Jr. changes the entire identity of the San Diego Padres. Prior to, (laughs) this is crazy. Prior to Tatis coming back and playing right field, the Padres had lost four in a row to the Marlins and the Diamondbacks, getting shut out twice, (laughs) one of which being a no-hitter from Tyler Gilbert. And then they win 8-2, and Tatis goes four for five with two bombs and four rippies. This team is a team that's lacking guidance without a 22-year-old to be that light. That's no good. Thank God you have a top five player in baseball and maybe the most valuable player in the National League coming back from injury now. But holy shit, you're not allowed to be that drastically different without one guy. I just think it's hilarious. They got no hit by Tyler Gilbert and they got <laughs> they lost the Dimebacks and the Marlins. <laughs> it's so true, though. I mean, it's just so true. And that is such a surprise that the Padres are just a run-of-the-mill team without Fernando Tatis Jr. And you goddamn idiots who called him overrated because he made some errors. You idiots. Look back on your ability to watch baseball and reconsider if you even like the sport, if you think that he's overrated. Do you remember when a lot of people were floating the idea that Peyton Manning should win MVP when the Colts were so bad the year that Manning was out with neck surgery? Yeah. That, obviously, like, that was never going to happen. But I think the injury further bolsters Tatis's case for NL MVP because when he's gone, they suck. It's not best player in the league. It's most valuable player in the league. And Tatis is proving that he is the most valuable player in the National League. And I think the only reason that we didn't choose him as our NL MVP on, on a, a couple episodes ago when we chose Bryce Harper was just the fact that we didn't know if, if Tatis would come back fully healthy and be able to continue this season. That was our only gripe. Because you look at it, and it's like, well, no, duh, Fernando Tatis Jr. is the MVP. His team can't win without him. And when he's on the field, he's the most electrifying player in the sport, one of the most talented players in the sport, and his team wins all the time. It's, so it was like, I no mean, doubt, the Padres look like they could win the World Series when Tatis is on the field. And when he's Seriously, off the field. It's like a completely new product. Right? And when he's off the field, they're not a playoff team. The Reds are better. The Reds would get in before that. The Reds are better. The sixth biggest surprise of the MLB season so far blows my freaking mind. The NL East is garbage. What the hell happened, NL East? Were you supposed to be the division that at the minimum had three strong contenders with the possibility of all five competing? It's currently a battle for the top between the Braves, the Phillies, and the Mets as the Nationals and Marlins are fading fast after they sold the deadline. I mean, get them out of there. The Braves are at the top of the, top of the division, yet are only six games over five hundred. The Mets are just two and a half games out and are just one game over 500. Only one team in this division has a positive run differential. And the first place Braves would be fourth in the NL West, third in the NL Central, fourth in the AL West, second in the AL Central, and they'd be in last place in the AL East right now. This was supposed to be one of the toughest divisions in baseball, and now it looks like the easiest. I think you're wrong. They'd be above the Orioles. What did I say? You said last in the AL. Oh, I I meant, I meant they'd be the fifth place team. Got it. Got it. Okay. Man, that's hard to fathom. Even still, like, I mean, the Orioles suck. (laughs) Like, yeah, basically I was like, if you kicked out that team, they'd be in last place right now. That's crazy. God, (laughs) it's so bad. And the thing is like, 
we're talking about the possible MVP and Cy Young in the National League coming from that division and not even the team that's leading the division. We're just talking about it because they have been spearheading the rise up the division and they're still a 500 team. Yeah. <laughs> like you look back at it, it's like, oh, I love the Phillies. You look at the record and you're like, well, wait, they're like three or four games over 500. Right. Relatively speaking, yeah, they're great in the division. But Right. Relatively speaking, they're great. But they're not great. They're not a great team. They're a good team. I thought two or three of those teams had a legitimate shot to come out of the National League at the beginning of this year. Pre-injuries. Obviously, the Braves, if they were fully healthy, they had a legitimate chance to make it out of the National League. Yeah, the Braves would be really good right now if they had Acuna, Soroka, all those guys. Right, exactly. If they had everybody at full health, I think that is the second best team in the National League, only behind the Dodgers. Although, we're going to get to the Giants later, but... I like wild dude wild that we're having that conversation about the NL East this year. Give it up to Fangraphs. They had Braves at 81 wins at the beginning of the season. And both of us were like, what? I think that's because they thought everybody was going to beat up on each other, much like the AL East. Yeah. But it turns out Fangraphs was right. And everybody sucks. Number five. The Red Sox have put together a coherent season on the mound. This is absolutely a top five surprise. I was expecting the Red Sox to be in the bottom five in baseball in staff ERA without Chris Sale up until this weekend. But they're top half and just five points below the league average. The staff as a whole is second in the American League in strikeouts, and they're in the top half of the American League in starter ERA. They figured out a way to buy time by using Nick Pavetta, Garrett Richards, and Martin Perez in the rotation, and Sawamura, Whitlock, Taylor, Valdez. How many of those first names can you name? A lot of people would say zero in the bullpen. They've been masterful. They really have. And even on the lives, people were like, Garrett Whitlock for rookie of the year. And I was like, okay, setup guy. Second one, rookie of the year. I know Devin Williams did it, but like, come on, rookie of the year. Sub two and then ERA. I look, and then I look, one seven or one four one ERA. Yeah, and I'm like, wait a minute, could he win the freaking rookie of the year? Right. Like the Red Sox, and I, I, I mean, you didn't even mention like Eduardo Rodriguez, who right now he has an ERA near five. Erod had to sit out last year because he was having complications with his heart because of COVID. Yeah, and like, but his expected numbers look great. Like Erod's only going to continue to. Um, at least improve Nick Pavetta coming from the Phillies being such a regular ass pitcher, just such a six foot righty who just has decent stuff and like, doesn't do much now with an ERA under four, like these guys, I'm, I'm simply floored by what the Red Sox have been able to produce on the mound this year. I can't believe it. And now they add Chris sale. It's like, fuck God damn it. I think they make it. I think they make it. I think they make it too. You know who else might make it? This fourth biggest surprise in baseball this season is the Cincinnati Reds have the best big three of hitters we've ever seen. Not quite that we've ever seen, but they've been simply amazing this year. We all knew that they'd be solid, but did anyone expect the Reds to have three MVP candidates? Cincinnati has to be loving what they're getting from their big boppers in Nick Cassianos, Jesse Winker, and Joey Votto. These guys are all top 15 in baseball in WRC+. 
they are the only team in baseball that can say that. They are one of two teams that can say they have two, and that's the Astros who lead the league and run scored. The Reds rank sixth in baseball and run scored right now. And with Jonathan India standing on his head, the Reds' offense is an absolute force to be reckoned with. And they don't even have Eugenio Suarez contributing whatsoever. He's just negative. He's terrible, and they're <laughs> still good. Thank God they just put Kyle Farmer at short and were like, get that dude out of the shortstop position. Right. We're talking about Kyle Farmer in a positive light. He's a contributor to a team that might make the postseason. But he's like playing well. He he's is. playing well. He's playing well. <laughs> Jonathan India, my money says the NL Rookie of the Year. I understand what Trevor Rogers is doing in Miami, but like India is having a serious impact on this team as a rookie. And then that three, man, Castellanos and Winker, we knew were really good. They were good the front half. Joey Votto decided to just blow up, and now he's a top 10 hitter in baseball again in his mid-30s. Joey Votto still bangs. It's crazy. It's I, 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 I get what you even mean about Winker and Castellanos. I personally, I'll be honest, I did not expect Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos to be close to MVP candidates. I knew no. they'd be good. I, right. Yes. But not MVP candidates. And now Votto, who hasn't it for power in seems like three years, is now one of the premier power bats in all of baseball. I just, I'm shocked. I literally, I can't believe it. It's cool. And, and I know the Great American Ballpark is the hitter-friendly ballpark of the National League Central. They're I get it. They're games away and they hit fine there too. Right. Like it's, it's kind of crazy what they're doing. It's the best offensive big three in the game right now, but it's the second best big three in the game right now, because I think the best big three in baseball is the third biggest surprise of 2021's MLB season. The Brewers have the top two and three of the top eight in the national league in strikeouts per nine. They have three. Hold on. Hold on. You ready? I'm ready. They have three of the top five in Major League Baseball in ERA. Three of the top five. They have three of the top six in the National League in pitching war. They have the top two and three of the top seven in Major League Baseball in batting average against. One of those guys is on pace to shatter the batting average against record. That is an absolute cheat code for the playoffs and they're waltzing into the playoffs the only reason i almost want to put it lower is because we're the only people on the planet who've been who have been all up on freddie peralta so it may be this would even rank at number one for everybody else not us though man we've been in on freddie since his second start of the year his second start so pr- we're so proud of that we're tooting our own horn because we deserve it we deserve it we were spot on with Freddie Peralta. <laughs> we were even like joking that he's one of the best pitchers in baseball at the beginning. And now he literally is. God, I got to go back and listen to some of those uh, early pods and just hear what kind of hyperbole we were throwing Freddie Peralta's way. <laughs> like it, it, it probably measures up. We also do have to go through all of the over under totals that we put for each team at the beginning of the year. See how those are doing. True. We do have to do that, man. But that's what I got to say about that. I don't care how the offense does. If you've got three of the top 10 pitchers in baseball right now, and I don't think anybody would list seven pitchers above those three, 
shit. The best team in baseball is the second biggest surprise of the MLB season so far. The San Francisco Giants, let me repeat, are the best team in baseball. I'd like to officially apologize to the city of San Francisco on behalf of the entire baseball media for not fully understanding how good the Giants are. Yes, the Giants are the best team in baseball. They have the best record in baseball by four games, and they just added Chris Bryant and have won eight of their last 10 games. They rank second in ERA behind the brilliant pitching of Kevin Gosman, Anthony Descalfani, Johnny Cueto, Logan Webb, and Alex Wood. They rank eighth in run score behind the resurgence of Buster Posey and Brandon Crawford, plus role players becoming big league stars like Darren Ruff and Steven Duggar. The bullpen is second in ERA and first in saves behind studs like Jake McGee, Tyler Rogers, and Dominic Leone. They are firing on all cylinders, and even as the Dodgers have constructed an all-star team, it's the San Francisco freaking Giants that reign supreme at the moment. That was so fun to hear. When you really go over what the Giants have been doing, it's almost our biggest surprise. Like, it really is. Like, it's really – and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Like, I'm, I think we're genuinely sorry. Because, like, we – where did we have the Giants finishing this year? Third? Fourth? I think not third. 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 Yeah. Like, not making the playoffs, no way. Dude. Yeah. Shout out your shirt for a second from Breaking oh, yeah. Tea. Uh, because I think we could hop on the podcast in November, and there's a sleeper chance that we say Chris Bryant was the most valuable acquisition of the trade deadline. What if like on November 1st or wherever recording post-World Series, we say Chris Bryant just won the World Series MVP for the San Francisco Giants? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. (laughs) I would geek. Holy shit. I would geek. Best team in baseball was surprise number two. And let's end it with the biggest surprise in baseball this year and maybe the biggest surprise, honestly, in baseball history. It's that somebody can do literally everything in baseball really well. Shohei Otani is actually Babe Ruth, but he's doing the things that Babe did at separate times at the same time. Like, how could anybody see this coming? He's got the second best WRC plus in the game. He's got four more homers than anybody else. He's third in baseball in RBIs. He's top five in terms of offensive war. On the bump, if he qualified, his strikeout rate would be better than both of our Cy Young frontrunners, Lance Lynn and Zach Wheeler. Oh, Andy's top 10 in the league in stolen bases. A human being, a baseball player, should not be able to do all of those things. They should be able to do one of those things. Just one. <laughs> he does everything. You know how we can, you know how we said Cedric Mullins is good at everything? Shohei Otani does everything that Cedric Mullins does and, and pitches. And like, pitches. let's go through it. Offensively. Power, Shohei blows him out of the water. Speed, Shohei in terms of sprint speed is right there and has seven less stolen bases. Run producing, it's Shohei by a lot. Batting average, yes. Cedric Mullins does have a better batting average, but they both walk. Shohei slugs way more. And defensively, yeah, you'd give it to Mullins, but Shohei has a better arm. Yeah, well, obviously he has a better arm. And then he's a freaking top 20 pitcher. Like... 
we don't we we get it we don't understand it i don't think a lot of baseball fans fully comprehend what's happening right get it so it's like yes we we know that he's doing this and it's amazing but i don't think we truly in our heart of hearts comprehend that we've never seen this since old hoss (laughs) (laughs) here's the thing we've actually never seen it old hoss never seen it here here's the thing with this list I think there's a chance that if we didn't mention Shohei Otani once this episode, a lot of people wouldn't bat an eye. I agree. A lot of people wouldn't say anything because everybody's been talking about it all year long. But take the step back and realize that this is the single most surprising thing in baseball history. I, I will repeat that. This is the most surprising thing that has ever happened in the history of this sport that's been around for north of 100 years. What, I- what he's doing has never been done before and I'd be floored if it ever happens again. I agree. And I've been hearing a lot of noise about how more show are coming, right? How a lot of these prospects now are doing both. I mean, we Ooh. even saw Brendan McKay for the Rays doing both. He had okay. Louisville Hunter and now, Green yeah. was supposed to be that guy. Hunter, Hunter Green's exactly. a pitcher now. Does you ever see Hunter Green ever play shorts up again? No shot. No shot. But in high school, when even my high school team faced Hunter Green, he was pitching and playing short. Now, no shot. We go even look at a guy like Jack Flaherty. We faced him in high school, shortstop and pitcher. It's so freaking hard to do what he's doing. And like we hear, oh, maybe this guy can hit and he can pitch. And then he gets nipped in the bud first like couple weeks that he's there. Cause like, you know what? Let's focus on this. Let's get you good at this. Yep. Not with him. And it's not that I, I'm going to keep going. It's not that he hits and then also pitches like, oh, he has a four or five ERA or like, He's a good four, like he fills in, and that's amazing. Right. He can be a long reliever once a week. Like, that's not him. Freaking like ace almost. (laughs) He's got frontline stuff. He's got frontline stuff. Shohei Otani or Lucas Giolito? Otani. Like, what the fuck is that? What the? Yeah. Yeah. Shohei Otani or Aaron Nola? Otani. (laughs) Shohei Otani or. Ryu. Otani, we can't keep playing God this Christ. game because we can't end it on a sour note. Like, okay, okay. we can't say somebody else and then say, all right, see ya. Show okay. Otani. I will take him over Hyunjin Ryu for sure. Oh, all right, let's end the pod here, man. This was fun. Uh, top 10 surprises. Again, just baseball fans on TikTok and Instagram at just BB Media on Twitter. I'm at Jack underscore McMullen 11. That is at Peter Apple 23. We're on Twitch, twitch.tv slash justbaseball. Like, subscribe, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. And thank you guys so much. Thank you, everybody. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today.